And then they oh. find out that I'm the one who dismembered you in the bathtub and drank your blood. Anyway, so let's go down this list that we have of topics for today. Um, yeah. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Shenantics. The podcast URL is shenantics.rocks. You can find us on the iTunes Store, Google Play Store, and at our website. And uh, thank you for joining us this week. We have a nice few little stories to present to you. Uh, a story in three parts. I feel like we've done the NPR Mary This American Life intro before, and and now we've I, done uh, it twice. I now I regret sure. everything I've I've just done. Um, Wait, were yeah. you trying to do an NPR I, voice? I started. I started to. I started to. But uh, I don't know. Well, I'll, I forgive you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, if you were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah see like, no let's not explain no. let's not explain why i'm laughing yeah let's, let's just leave it as a, <laughs> as a mystery to the i world. feel like, no i feel like we kind of have to a little bit because it's <laughs> so, kind of funny okay all right so uh, so <laughs> Plus, we have nothing else to talk about like <laughs> right. what else are can we, we talk about can we stretch this for an hour somehow i'm wondering oh dude trust me i could stretch this for two hours if yes. need be i can't wait to our episode of shenantics uh so we just started recording uh before skanky got here i was hanging out with foolish's stream and it's still up and all of a sudden i see on over this uh skxnky <laughs> guy say pong champ in foolish's stream and so i had to respond so <laughs> essentially, essentially, me and Skinky are having a conversation in, at twitch.tv slash Foolish Francis. Uh, Go check it of, out. Instead of actually recording. So Yeah, yeah. Ew. Like we're now I just got a shout out from Socks. This is this is crazy. This is insane. What's happening right we are, now? We- <laughs> they don't even know that we're recording. I know. It feels like it feels a little devious. Living life on the edge. Let's just playing Widow, and I'm shocked. It looks like he has a golden Widow weapon. Um, Let me tell you, foolish. Oh my god! Oh, that's big. Did you see that? Yes, the headshot. That was huge. Great, dude. He's been practicing. (laughs) Yeah, he's 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 rocking. He's up to platinum now in Overwatch. So really, yeah, yeah, and he almost has his silver border, which is uh, level six hundred. So let me uh, tell you, Foolish was always the best guy to play Overwatch with. Yes, yes. He he is so he's so great he to was. play Overwatch with because he he's was. chill, he's cool, he's calm, he's collected, mm-hmm. he knows what's going on, mm-hmm. he says the right plays. Yeah. And you know, when we need to change up a comp, he's always so calm about it. Yeah. He's like, he's like, okay, yeah, let's let like if if we have like three, four DPS. He's like, okay, okay, let's see if it works. Let's see if it works, right? (laughs) And then, you know, we get wiped twice. He's like, okay, yeah, I think we're gonna have to change something up. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna gonna have to change something up, right? And it's just like, okay, let's do it. No, it's true. Foolish is a great person to play games with. Um, Do you know who he's maining nowadays? Does, Does he have a... I don't know. I'm not sure. I know he's on, he's on Widow now. He was playing a little bit of Reaper earlier. Um, mm. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure who he's, who he's maining these days, but uh, TV such Foolish Francis. That's the best way to find out, I would believe. Check him out! Actually, I wonder, I could, I'm not going to do it now, but I'll probably pull up his, um, his, his profile, his in-game profile to take a look at and see who he's been playing in the most recent Oh, yeah, season. we could do that. So, but, no, he's great. I, uh, I obviously adore Foolish. It's like, so I streamed for like the first time in for like months yesterday. Um, that was insane. 
Yes, it was. It was I got funny. a text message from seven different people lulling, letting me know that you were online. <laughs> My uh, mom texted me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she, your mom has a, has a Love direct, a direct Love notification <laughs> feed for my stream. I don't know why she didn't turn your notifications on, but... Nah, she, she doesn't least... watch my stream. Yeah, no. So I mean, watch... really, who would watch my stream? Am I right? <laughs> oh. oh, awkward. Oh. Awkward. Uh, but no, but so if I was talking, like, with Foolish, um, the one story I just, I always love to say, like, whenever I'm reminiscing about the good old times, the foolish is um, I, the, when I first started watching him, when I first met him like three years ago, uh, we met Twitch Chicago meetup. And actually I think me and him didn't, did not actually meet, I think, but like through everyone else we met, like I was like, Oh, this foolish guy was there too. And he was back in the day. He used to stream off of, I think it was an Xbox one. And then he moved to PS4. And then I think he moved back to Xbox one. And then he moved to PC. But back in the day, he was like streaming on Xbox one. He was playing fallout four. And like, God, he's just so fucking funny. He was just, he was yes. building, he was building this, like this big, like ball pit with a diving board up on top of it. But the ball pit was filled with all of the junk that he collected across the wasteland. So you'd have like, <laughs> like needles and like broken teacups and all that crap in there. Um, I don't know. It was just, the guy's so fucking funny. And he, uh, he, um, I was gonna say it was it got to a point where it, there were so many items in that that would lag the entire world when you walked into that area like back into his settlement but yeah that was fun stuff he's like he's a good that's guy. great he's a good guy so. all right well so i guess we'll go down the list now we gotta we gotta we have a whole list of people here we have to compliment yes. so that we can keep them listening right yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so. <laughs> <laughs> next on the list we'll go on. <laughs> next. Okay, i don't have the list on me i'm sorry uh, yeah yeah foolish yeah. is a great guy go like him all right yeah, no, yeah he's a he's, nice man he's a nice man he's very handsome too comes so. from a good family Yes, yes. So, and it's a strong work ethic and background. Str very strong work yeah, ethic. Yeah. A work worth ethic. So you can hire him. Twitch.tv slash Willis Francis. So, mm hmm Yeah, I was thinking about this because uh, the other, like, the other person in in chat. I was actually, I was actually thinking about bringing this up um, on the podcast, but it's also relevant because he's there. Um, so yesterday when I was playing Overwatch, Ari played with me, and Ari got a new mic, and his voice sounds so good like nice and it got to the point where i'm like starting to get jealous yeah and a lot of people are like oh i don't like to hear the sound of my own voice and as we've talked many times like i don't care like my voice doesn't bother me anymore but now i'm starting to have like jealousy of other people I'm like oh man yeah if i could have your voice like oh that would be that'd be great like i would like i would kill for skanky's voice like if i if, if me nah. if i were able to do some type of spell and then had to murder skanky and i would get his voice i would maybe consider wait it. what uh, so, you know, like good voices and stuff. Yeah, I said you had a good voice. Honestly, you. though, let me say this. If you were to murder me, I would hope that it would be for my voice. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's... the only acceptable thing that I, I think I would I, I would need from you. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I try, I'm trying to think if there's any other, any other thing that, like, if you murdered me, I'd look back and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, that, that was okay. That was, that was. Yeah, see, I probably good. wouldn't murder you. Probably. Big probably. I don't think I would murder you. What if it makes like a really good podcast topic? It's like All the right, reverse. You're kind of convincing me. You're <laughs> kind of convincing me to do <laughs> yeah, it. Right? What if we could make, okay, this is what we'll do. Mm -hmm. I could murder you. By the way, hello, FBI. I could murder you, yeah. right? Yes. And then I could make my own podcast about how my best friend got murdered. Mm -hmm. But in the end, 
we find out that I'm actually the murderer who made the podcast and we make everyone who's listened through the entire podcast feel really disturbed. Yes. Like, right. Isn't that nice? You you build this like affinity. They build this affinity for you because it's the poor, like, Oh, Oh, the the victim. Exactly. Like, Oh, his friend friend. got killed. Oh no. Right. And then they find out that I'm the one who dismembered you in the bathtub and drank your blood. Anyway, so let's go down this list that we have of topics for today. Um, yeah. I'm thinking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so about <laughs> when you go to the supermarket, M. Cole, do you, do you take the cart or do you, do you take the hand holding? It's called a thing. basket. The hand holding thing. Okay. That, so I. First of all, don't give me attitude. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Second of all, you suck. And third, what's the answer to the fucking question? Is that why I'm actually worried he's going to murder me? You guys? <laughs> I have a great reason. <laughs> and the funny thing is, when he says he has a good reason, it's not because of the whole podcast idea. It's just because of the fucking question. Oh, like, yeah. You really piss me off, buddy. I am upset. Um, <laughs> so, so actually, I, I've changed a little bit. So, for quite a while i always grab the the basket and the main reason i grab the basket is uh to go grocery shopping i don't have a car and so there's a limited amount of items i can carry back with me right and okay the basket is a nice way to limit that like with a cart you kind of keep thinking like oh yeah that would all fit in my bags that would fit in my bags and then like next thing you know you got like an entire full cart you're like oh how the hell am i going to carry all this home um and then you gotta get an Uber and grocery shopping where you have to like put all the groceries in the back of an Uber is not fun. But um so I always go with the cart. But more recently, obviously, I've been I go grocery shopping with my bike. And so what I do Tell me what that situation is like. What's going on with that? Like so how do you I, carry? So I have God, what the fuck are they called? They're I baskets, I, I think they're called. No, no. So yeah, I have like a back rack on all my bikes, and then I have they're called like panniers, P-A-N-N-I-E-R. Um, and they're like bags that like they're almost like they're like pantaloons. Pantaloons. And they're they're bags that are almost like saddlebags that connect to the sides of the rack. Um and so I have two of those and what say rack it? one more time for me. Rack. Okay, cool. Go on. Got it. Just he needed to get some levels on it, or I need to I need to see yeah I need to get some levels on that one that was that was good <laughs> exactly, um, and so what I do now usually is if I bike over there I bring the bags my pantier bags in with me pantaloon bags yes. my pantaloon bags in with me I put them over the shoulder strap and then I fill those up while I'm grocery shopping and then I empty them out onto the conveyor belt and then reload up those bags so that way I always know how much I'm able to fit and carry on my bike to come back home. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I'm not I'm not a big cart person. Is that. it heavy though? Is it a heavy situation that you're dealing with? It starts to get a little heavy. If it sometimes if it is too heavy, because like the bike can handle it. If it is too heavy, like what I, what I will sometimes do is I'll take the cart and I'll throw the two bags in the cart, but I'll still fill up the bags. Oh, okay. And then do the whole thing and then refill up the bags. But I use the cart to carry the bags around. Wow. So. And Very really intuitive. What I've been doing, I mean, there a lot of times I haven't done it recently. I'm not actually sure why, but I haven't done it. I used to get Amazon Fresh deliveries for most of my main stuff, uh, and so yes. it, like a grocery store trip would be for things that I forgot or were smaller things. Um, and even though I don't really do as much Amazon Fresh shopping, what I tend to do now because it's so easy to get to the grocery store on my bike, I'll go like two or three times a week. 
and I'll pick up the few okay. things I need. And so like I usually only need to fill up like part of one bag. And so if that's the case, I just leave that one bag on my shoulder and fill that up a little bit and then go and check out. Man, I must look like sketchy as fuck to security. Like who no, is this guy that maybe. is filling up his his Probably. like backpack with shit? I mean, you know, it's it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's now I've never fine. been to Chicago, but what's the hill situation like over there? Are we dealing with some like five pointers, some ten point kind of hills, oh, or do we have kind of slopes? Like, what's going on with you that? You know, one of the best things about Chicago, yeah, especially from a biking perspective, is there is no elevation flat as the prairie at all. Mm. Yes, it is. It is absolutely flat. There's not even like little. There's no hills whatsoever. Um, which yeah. is great. Which is great. So that makes yeah, sense. New York's the same way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, well, they're essentially the same state. They're right next to each other. Oh yeah, they're they're neighbors. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like us. It's just that so like cute. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm just a little pissed that we you don't ever want to hang out with me. You don't want to come over and chill. You say it's gonna nah. take too long to get here. No, it's not that. It's just I don't really like you that much. Wow. Wow. I don't know what's I don't know what's getting into us today. We're, we're having such a this is such a weird podcast. This is a very weird podcast. This is this is very strange. So <laughs> by the way, guys, we have many more really good episodes that are not this one. So make sure to go listen to those. Go back into the archives and there are some really great ones out there. There'll be something there that I'm sure you will absolutely love. Yeah. Yeah, they are they're real fabulous. So definitely yeah. go check them out. So but actually I, I kinda know where all this started. A little bit of the hostility that you're hearing um on at least one half of the podcast is uh I actually wanted to, I wanted to ask Skinky about something today. Um okay. because I he I noticed and by notice I mean I watched a little bit of him playing a game over the past few days and I wanted to get his uh his opinion and that is Skinky was playing the Apex Tetris. Apex oh, something game, yeah. which is the Titanfall BR, quote unquote Titanfall BR. And as we the know, same company. Skinky is the BR king, so he's gonna. I'm not the BR king. He's this is lie. not a title that I want. <laughs> I, but sometimes you know we don't always get the titles we want. I'm sure sometimes when people kill other people, they don't want the title of murderer. But that is what they are. We're so. really talking about murder a lot. I, I don't know. know what's going on. I don't know. Weird but there's yes. some weird thing going on here. There's some weird juju going on. Weird, weird. I don't know how I feel about it, but let's just keep Me going. With yeah. It. But anyway, so the BR King is going to tell us uh, about <laughs> this Apex game and give us some of his preliminary thoughts on it. So go ahead. Okay. It's called here. Apex Legends. Okay. It's made by Respawn. Okay. And it's taken the BR. What would you call it? Um, the, the BR, yeah, but like the people who play BR games. Okay. The um, the mm, no, not only millennials. I feel Gen like Gen Zs. Yeah, maybe by Storm. Okay. They are obsessed with this game. Oh really? And oh yeah, yeah, it's like really big, and I I guess I get it. I don't know. Like I think it's a good game, but I'm not I'm not obsessed with it. All right. There is this weird thing where people are are getting obsessed with these BR games. Yeah. Like Fortnite was the obsession, and Blackout had had an obsession for like a couple of weeks, and then people were like, "Hey, where's the Battlefield One one?" And they're like, "Hey, we're gonna delay it." And they're like, "Okay, well, we're not gonna play your game anymore." And then now this one came out, 
And they're like, this is the best game I've ever played in my life. And I'm like, it's really like, it's another BR game. <laughs> like, I get that it's fun. I, I think it's a it's a fun game to play. But now, I'm, I'm curious though. So like, because if you kind of look at some of the like BR history, which I don't know very much of. was <laughs> Arma, BR was, history. Was Arma 3 the first BR game? Um... Because I know three mod. Okay, yeah. and because then, then what? The, the Hizzy had it for a bit, and then Player Unknown. Wait, what'd you say, Hizzy? Yeah, yeah, H I Z I, Hizzy, Hizzy, Hizzy. Yeah, Hizzy. I I used to watch you play that one all the time. Yeah, Hizzy, but it. Are you Joe? Is this a bit or? H one Z one. This is a bit. This is a bit. Okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry, Hizzy. <laughs> Man, I really fucked up that one. We'll cut that all that out. Yeah, I, I um, love that. I'm not gonna you do, do on this podcast. I'm not gonna do that <laughs> because that's a lot of work. They can see professional. Um, yeah, sorry, Hizzy. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, yeah, that was a big that one. That was then, a big game. Then was like Player Unknowns Battlegrounds, and then Fortnite, right? And now we have, and then, but then like some you... small ones in between there. Yeah. So uh, Darwin Project. I have never even heard of that one. Uh, there's another one that came out that I can't remember off the top of my head. They had a couple of small ones in between. Yeah, there. yeah. But H1Z1 was like the big BR after um after what's it called Arma, Arma Three mod. Yeah. Now, so and Fortnite obviously brought a, I would say a pretty big change to the BR world because they put the whole building aspect into it, right? Now, mm -hmm. does Apex Predators or whatever it's called, does that bring in, like, some different type of gameplay? Or is does it feel just truly like every other BR out there? It's like, it's like if they had a baby between H1Z1 and Blackout. Okay. With a hint of Overwatch. Okay. That's kind of what I get out of um out of it. Interesting. Now, what is the hint of Overwatch? You you have special abilities that you can use. Mm. Okay. So uh, you you pick like a like a character or an mm -hmm. operator mm -hmm. at the beginning, and then they have like a special ability. Actually, okay. I feel like you probably like this game to be honest. I don't know. Really? You're not really into BR games, but no, like I've never really played or liked BR games. It's like uh it's like Overwatch esque because you have this special ability that charges up over okay. time. Um so like they have like a healer one who's like she can throw out um she can throw out like a little healing drone thing that like he if you if your teammates go around it heals. Mm -hmm. And then she has her other special ability, which like you can call in um like a care package and then you can get like cool stuff from it i guess mm -hmm. and like th there's all the ones that you can do that i can't really remember off the top of my head but um i mean it, it's kind of like it's fun and mm -hmm. it's cool mm -hmm. my thing that it's a love-hate relationship with it and it's kind of like a double-edged sword is that you can't play it by yourself you have uh, to play with people yeah which is like fun because it like forces you to have teamwork and to do these things which is cool mm -hmm. but at the same time like if i want to play by myself i don't want to have to deal with like this 12 year old kid who has to leave in like five minutes because his mom's telling him to go to bed mm -hmm. and it's like 
fuck. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I want to deal with this. Yeah. So now, do you think that do you think it's going to be a long term problem or will it kind of maybe fix itself as it goes on? And the, what I'm thinking to and what, what is in the back of my mind as you're saying this is I remember when Overwatch was in beta and like there was tons of streamers that were playing it and like ones that came to mind was like it me jp and ammunition and stuff and for a while like the line especially in beta used to, was that this game overwatch isn't good unless you can get six people to play with you like if you're playing with less than that then you have to deal with the random people and then the game just doesn't work and like solo queuing in Overwatch does have its problems, but I feel like overall, like if I want to play Overwatch, I can turn it on and have a great time on it. And there are problems with some games, but overall, like I do enjoy it. And I don't feel like I'm always like pounding my head against that, against the wall now. And so I don't think that this idea that you can, if you, unless that you can't enjoy Overwatch unless you have a full six stack. Now, do you think that, that might be the case with Apex where down the road, like they somehow the game or the community settles themselves out where you can play solo. Or do you think that is a game that you're always going to at least want someone else to play with you? You're always, you're never going to be able to play solo in that game. Okay. I think because of how the mechanics are, unless they change something and mm -hmm. make a new game mode, yeah, it's always going to be like that. Mm -hmm. And it's not like a bad thing. Like it's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, a different experience really mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um my thing is and i people can quote me on this and i may be wrong but i really don't know if we're going to be talking about this game in six months like i think that one kind of if they right now they're they're doing well with kind of like updates and stuff right mm -hmm. but i feel like if they hit that one bad update mm -hmm. where people were really angry yeah. Then it might start slipping. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one thing that happened with Realm Royale. Do you remember that game? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Realm Royale was really big, and everyone was really liking it and playing it a lot. And they were like, "Oh, we're gonna have professional teams for this game." Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and now, like, who plays Realm Royale? I'm yeah. not really sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm not sure if this is gonna have the staying power that Fortnite had. Okay. It's the same thing with like Blackout. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Blackout was really big when it first came out. And but like all COD games, it's kind of a hard comparison, but all COD games kind of slowly start slowing down. Mm -hmm. And you know, updates were kind of slowing for for Blackout and Black Black Ops in general. So mm -hmm. it is really going to be a, a testament to to this developer. Yeah. To see how dedicated they are to this. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I, I why do you think Fortnite had so much staying power? Um, I have no idea. Yeah, free to play model, free to play model. They made it accessible on everything. Mm -hmm. Um, word of mouth. Yeah, you know. Yeah, between kids and, I mean, it's I mean it's it's a crazy thing. Yeah, because yeah. really that game has been out for a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. And it's been its own beast. Now, the yeah. BR mode, it's its own thing. Are they still even developing the main game? I don't know. I don't know either. I, I, I don't for, even know. For whatever reason, I, I feel like I doubt it. I um, I actually, I real quick on that, I heard, I, 
Tiny had played it a few months, a few months ago, maybe six months ago, had played the regular mode. And she said it was just an awful experience. Um, unless you have a full squad going in, like the random people just kind of like hold you hostage and there's not anything you can really do in the game. And like they'll like they make like demands that they want you to do X, Y, Z. If you don't do whatever they say, then they just kind of like sit there and you're like, wow. Yeah. Like, like way to have the game ruined by like a shitty group of people. Um, I remember back in the day, you were really liking that. I game. was. I did. I did. And I still do. I we think talked the, about it on the podcast. Probably. Yeah. And I still I love the idea of that game. And I I think part of it was like the, you know, time. Like I didn't have much time like to play games overall, so I want to play games like I know, like I love more. Um, and it also then started to fall out of favor. And like every once in a while, like, I think about like, hey, maybe I should try it again. Um, but I I don't know. I just love the concept of like this Overwatch cartoony zombie game with a building element. Like that just feels fun to me. So I don't know. I uh, I, I think was, that I was big into it for a bit. You know, for for Fortnite, it really appealed to the casual gamer mm -hmm. but it also what it did was it made the casual gamer want to be better mm -hmm. you know yeah. so like a PUBG, PUBG, it was out for a good amount of time right mm -hmm. and it was getting success but it was only really getting success from people who were already gaming yeah. or already involved right because it's that kind of game yeah. it's more complicated in some sense it's not really more complicated but to the eye of a casual person who doesn't play games a lot, mm -hmm. who maybe has an Xbox or something and just got a PC and try to figure out a game to play, it's a little bit harder of a game to kind of just pick up and figure out what's going what's yeah. going on. Yeah. But with Fortnite, it's that kind of game where it's like, oh, this game is fun and I can play whenever I want. And then they watch people like Ninja or whoever else they watch, I don't know, whoever mm -hmm. plays Fortnite, and they're like, whoa, those guys are really good at this game. You can be like good at this game. Mm -hmm. So I want to try to do that too. It makes them play more. Yeah. So you know, uh, they they hit it, they hit the right crowd at the right time mm -hmm. because there was a whole crop of people who were not playing BR games. Yeah. And Fortnite brought them into that with their casual gameplay that made them want to play better. Yeah. Now, one other thing that I've heard that I want to kind of bring a little bit into the discussion is because um, I actually completely forgot about it until we started to get more in depth in the Fortnite uh, discussion. I'd want to, I wanted to bring this up previously. Um, I had seen, and I wish maybe I'll see if I can find the tweet. It's unlikely, but there was this. Uh, I feel like it was a BuzzFeed writer or someone else, and they were talking about how their nephews um, and nieces played Fortnite. And for they wanted to kind of experience like why and why they're playing and what like their games went like and kind of why are they so addicted to this game. And this is obviously anecdotal. And so the sample size of the, po of the overall population is very, very small. But at least for this group of kids that were playing it, they, you know, it joined up with them and they used it less so for the game and the gameplay but they used it kind of as like a social network to like hang out, right? Like they would all kind of like hang out and Fortnite was the reason to gather and hang out. 
but it wasn't so much about playing the game. It was more just to like sit around and chat like, you know, teenagers do, right? How many times like when you're a teenager is it just like hang sitting around with your friends and talking about stuff and like sharing, you know, music with each other by playing YouTube videos over their shitty microphone and sending each other links and stuff like that. And so he was saying like that in his mind, he had this idea about, oh, Fortnite must be hitting all the right things with the various gameplay and development stuff. But at least for this group of kids, they could they didn't really care much about that, right? It was just mm -hmm. that's where they went to go hang out. And what that kind of recalls to me a little bit is like, at, especially at the end of high school for me and beginning of college when I played with my friends, it reminds me of World of Warcraft, right? There would be tons of times I would log into World of Warcraft sure. just to hang out with my other friends that I knew I could find playing World of Warcraft. And granted, it's not exactly the same because, you know, Fortnite BR isn't the same as sitting in some town in Warcraft, but yeah, yeah, it, it's it, different. Yeah, it does give them a sense of that that's how they gather, and MMOs aren't popular with the Gen Z crowd. And so it's it, part of me wonders is that can some, it, it might be impossible to unseat Fortnite because the reason people are there is it doesn't have anything to do with the game. Right, like, do, yeah. like Apex can do whatever the hell they they can try to do and put all the bells and whistles in, but people like the group of the population of people that are playing Fortnite to hang out with their friends, they don't give a shit about moving over to Apex, uh, and so they, you know, you might be screwed no matter what happens. But, yeah, I yeah, I, I agree. It, it's it's beyond the gameplay. Mm -hmm. It's like hanging out with your friends and doing all that business, mm -hmm. yeah, um, that. which. Like oh, you, yeah. your room, your your World of Warcraft was kind of like my RuneScape as a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I only went on there because my friends went on there, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. I, we would, I don't know, sit. I don't, I don't even know what the fuck I would do back then. I, yeah, I don't even remember what yeah. I did. Yeah, nothing. Exactly. I didn't do anything. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like literally doing absolutely nothing. I had no like, idea what I was doing. Back yeah, then. yeah. I only went on because my friends were on there and. I don't know. We would just talk, I guess. I, I don't yeah. even remember. Like, no, we would go to the library and play RuneScape together. It's mm -hmm. like, why? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. But, exactly. yeah, it's so. it's it's interesting. I, I didn't really think about it like that. They're using it as, like, a social media platform. Yeah. Which is kind of fast. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. No, it is. And I, I maybe tomorrow... If I get some extra time, I'll see if I can look up some articles. Because I feel like if that person saw it, and that person was a reporter, if there has to have been some follow-up write-up about that. Or if they didn't, then that's really stupid on them <laughs> to not be like, yeah. oh, there's this interesting thread, let me not follow it. Um, but, I don't know. And so, but the, and like I said, like, and it's the exact same thing you and I were talking about just now. That is why I believe it, right? Like, I hear that, and it's only one group of kids, and it might not be representative of everyone, but I tend to believe that it is because it lines up so well with the way I experienced video games when I was younger, especially online video games. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, that's kind of, it's kind of interesting. But yeah, so Apex, we'll see what happens with that, but which might be nothing. Yeah. We will see. It's also, you know, it's the. It's the old, oh, it's popular on Twitch, so it's popular with everyone kind of business, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, <laughs> I don't know. It it may fall out of fashion at some point. Mm -hmm. Just because it's popular on Twitch doesn't really mean that it's going to definitely be popular with everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And we also see lots of flash, flash in the pans on Twitch. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Conan Exiles is one. Like, we see over <laughs> and over again, tons of times that it has a huge spike and then it just doesn't have staying power. So. Yeah, it happens a lot. 
but so we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens. more power to them if they're successful yeah right? yeah exactly. whatever who cares exactly so but everyone's chasing the br thing like i, I just like i i can't wait for the day where we can all sit back and laugh where someone decides that they're not going to follow the br train and then create another insanely popular genre and everyone's like oh man funny we had the fourth the foresight to be like the new Fortnite, and it's like no, yeah, now you're too busy chasing Fortnite oh, instead of doing your own. No, thing. so please know. no. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, so Skanky, I have some. Yes, I've, sir. I, I have some. I have a few questions for you this week. Okay, hopefully I have some answers. I hope so too, because you are my go-to expert for all this kind of stuff. Oh no, I'm another expert. Yes, you are an expert. No, I felt like I felt like after last week. I want to I want to turn the tables on you a little bit. Okay. So you, last week you you had a, you had some some questions and some digging and some prodding into the world of legal work, and I wanted to flip okay. it back on you. I want to ask a few things about from your perspective about filmmaking and documentary filmmaking. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. This should be good. I, I'm curious, though, because, like, because I, when I look at stuff that people, like, it's, it, we've, t- it, in a previous episode, we talked about um, when people create art, right? And it's like, oh, there's skills I wish I could have, but for whatever reason, like, I can picture things in my mind, but whatever I picture doesn't always come out that way, right? I could be like, oh, I mm-hmm. want to, I want to draw this, and I go to draw it, and it just doesn't happen. And I, that same exact thing, in my opinion, kind of also happens um, with filmmaking, right? You'd be like, oh, I have this great idea. I want to do that. But there are so many steps between your idea and the execution that you don't, it's not like so easy, right? It's not like, oh, I have this idea. And then also you create this end product that is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you have a pretty good knack for it. And so I'm, okay. I'm, I'm kind of curious about, about a few things. Like, like first of all, what is the hardest part about filming for a documentary? The hardest part? Yeah. It kind of depends on what your situation is mm-hmm. and what you're good at and what you're not good at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, you know, if you're doing everything, mm-hmm. so if you're, you know, you're the one-man band on mm-hmm. this and you're filming, you're doing audio, you're producing, you're you know, you're trying to do everything and you're editing at the end, Mm -hmm. then balancing all that while still trying to focus on your story is probably the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. But most documentaries now, you know, almost all of them, they're not made by one person. Yeah, It's it's a huge group of people who are all working towards making this thing. Like, you know, Michael Moore makes documentaries, but he's a star in his documentary. Mm -hmm. You know, he might direct it, and produce it, but he's got a guy behind the camera. He's got a sound person that, you know, and he's got people helping him write questions and do all these things. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, not to take anything away from him, but, you know, there's mm-hmm. people helping. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's just how, like, shit happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I think that probably, if, if you're not focusing on that, if you're a one-man band, that's the hardest thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're, if you're interviewing someone, you need to be also checking, hey, is their audio okay? Oh, can mm-hmm. I shoot this at a good angle? Is this fine? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I need to listen to what they're saying. I need to think of my next question. Yeah. I need to think of a follow-up question. I need to be prepared for all this stuff. And you're thinking about a million things all at once. So that's stressful. Mm-hmm. 
But if you're not in that situation, then a lot of making a documentary is having a story yeah. <laughs> that is coherent yeah. and that you can actually, you know, make and be able to say, hey, this is what's going to happen here. This is what's going to happen here, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is luck, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. making a documentary is a very lucky thing. You have to be there at the right time and the right place to be able to get this thing. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's probably one of the hardest. Yeah. So most of the hardest. Everything's hard. <laughs> yeah. was... uh, so on that, especially with the luck thing, like, so what, how much, when, when you're assembling, because like, let's even go back to like things like the Fire Festival, right? Like that documentary. Sure. Like so much of that feels like Oh man, look at this like this coherent story they can put together and everything seems to flow, you know, pretty well piece to piece to piece to piece. Now, when working on it, like do you kind of like I guess like my thinking is like if you do another type of video production, like let's say you do animation, you can kind of storyboard out what it is you want to do and then work to build that in. What is the process when you're working on a documentary? Can you be like, here's a story as I want it to be, and then try and get that footage? Or do you kind of just go out and collect as much footage as you can and then see how you can fit that into what it is that you want to tell? You do a little bit of both. So like there's a bit of a planning phase where you kind of storyboard out, you know, what you're thinking this this will be. So, you know, you have like, you know, this is what's going to be at the beginning. This is my idea about what I will have. And then, you know, we're going to get this person probably saying this. So we're going to put that here. And then this person's going to say this. We'll put that here. And then we kind of, you know, put the whole thing through. To see, to kind of, to kind of get an idea about, oh, if I was to make a documentary, and this is how everything would work out, then this is what it would be. Mm-hmm. Most times, if you're making a documentary that you know is a very specific kind of documentary where you know you're not, you're not doing a Michael Moore. Michael Moore makes documentaries where he makes the documentary. He is yeah. the person who is making the action in his documentary, right? So he can plan that out a lot better. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing a documentary. Even fire festivals like that too. The thing has already happened, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have all your content. You know what happened. You know what's going on. So that's it's not easy, but it's much easier to piece together that kind of documentary where you know what happens at the end already. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing a doc where you don't know how it's going to end up, then it gets a lot more stressful. Yeah. Because you're kind of like piecing together the storyboard, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, this is if this happens, mm-hmm. which 99% of the time, it's not going to happen that way. Yeah. So you're always changing stuff. And my original storyboard, like when I was making my documentary, mm-hmm. when I, my original storyboard is nothing really compared to what I ended up making. Mm-hmm. Because it's, things change, yeah. you know, you add characters into your films, you, you take people out. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're like, oh, this doesn't have enough footage for this, so I'm just going to cut this and move this somewhere else. So there's always, you know, as much as you plan, things are going to go haywire. Yeah. But my, my thing for, for the Fire Festival is what they probably did was they probably did all their interviews. Or first, what happened was they probably found the guy who had all that footage. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And they probably bought that footage from him. Yeah. Depends. Like, I'm talking about Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they actually probably didn't buy that footage because it was produced by that company, that marketing company, right? Yeah. yeah. Fuck Jerry Fuck or whatever it was. Yeah. So they probably had all that footage. Mm hmm. Already. Mm-hmm. So they got that footage. They're like, okay, let's go get these people. Let's do these interviews. They did all the interviews. They asked them all the questions. And then it was kind of like piecemealing the whole thing together, mm-hmm. which is just a lot easier because you know how it's going to end already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a lot It's a lot better. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think I answered your question, right? Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> kind of. No, you did. You did. Um, how much, I don't even know if this is the right term. This is one of those things where I'm just taking terms I've heard. I'm assuming it's right. Um. Mm-hmm. When you're out and trying to capture footage of like various stuff that you can use in like for your film, how much of the time are you just like recording shit for like the B roll footage or like just something that you can have on the screen to then voice over so that like you, you know, like to kind of connect like the interview parts or where something's actually happening? Like you'd be taking a like maybe like a video of like a deer prancing through a field or something like that, just so like you have something to put on. Is that like a big part uh-huh. of it? Because it feels like it is when you watch it sometimes, or is it just kind of like a minor thing that just kind of happens naturally based on you capturing a lot of footage? No, no. B roll is something that you really do need to think about. Mm-hmm. It's it's. B-roll saves lives <laughs> in documentary films. There's like a, a there's a thing where um you know, if you if you go out there and you film, right? Depending on whatever whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're doing you're doing a film about um a clown, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and you just go there and you just film the clown the entire time. Mm-hmm. You get back and you know, you you have no B-roll for this yeah. guy. Yeah. It's just this dude doing the same thing for like this hour thing, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. This hour of footage that you have. So B-roll is something that you need to think about. Like you need to actually be like, okay, if this person has an interview, mm-hmm. right? A sit-down interview. I mean, we need to like film this shit. Like we need to get like nice b-roll of them doing stuff and you know you do like the stereotypical stuff the people walking down the hallway the stuff you see on like news right it's like people walking down the hallway out their computer typing writing and sometimes you get better stuff so like you can use like let's say like we'll go back to the clown example Mm -hmm. you're filming that clown for an hour right um now if you do an interview with him then maybe some of that stuff you can use as b-roll but you also want that b-roll to be different you don't want it to only be him at the at the party the kid's party doing the thing right you want to have him you know dressing up as the clown right you want to see how that goes or or taking off his makeup as the clown a close-up of him taking off his makeup as a clown Mm -hmm. you know so you have to you really need to think about those things and that's like stuff that i learned in school kind of you know yeah is that Uh, we had we had like one professor who was always like we we would watch something like we would watch um Oscar-nominated short docs, right? Mm-hmm. And then we would kind of talk about them, and he'd be like, you know, you see this interview with his with his mother, right? And it's very very emotional, and they're doing the the stereotypical stuff for B roll, but it it like oh she's sitting by the water, like looking out at the water, like you know, like mm-hmm. normal B roll crap, <laughs> but it helps enhance the the whole story. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah, when. 
for you, like, so, so B-roll is important. And for all the reasons that you just said, is it something that you're thinking about and planning out before you go out for a shoot? Or is it something that you kind of have to do on the fly? I mean, part of it has to be on the fly because things happen or you see something. But is mm-hmm. it sometimes that you have an idea of like, I want to try and capture this? Or is most of it just done out in the field? Um, sometimes you plan stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like for my dog, I plan some B-roll stuff mm-hmm. um, with, with characters. Mm-hmm. But um, it kind of depends on like, what your situation is looking like and how organized you are and how um, how things how, what, what's the idea in your head looking yeah. like? Yeah. A lot of stuff like people people definitely do plan B-roll, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes you just have to because you need to kind of develop this character. Right. Yeah. Or you need to develop the place that this character lives in. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's th- those are those are like important things. A lot of B-roll though is probably done on the fly. Okay. Because you're like, "Oh, like, oh, you see this thing happening? Oh, well, I got to go film it, you know?" Yeah, yeah. For 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 me, and this is coming from like a newbie, you know. I've only made like one film, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. But um I just filmed everything. Mm-hmm. Like I did which is never, it's not like a good thing necessarily because then you have a lot of footage, you have to look at, at it, yeah, but yeah. filming everything means that you got it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not that bad. So like if I saw like a squirrel, I'd film that freaking squirrel, man. I get a close-up <laughs> of that damn squirrel. So make sure that we get that. It's suddenly it's that, a main character of your doc. Yeah, like, it's oh, a main God. character of the film now. <laughs> the, the hardest thing though for me was to decide, I didn't know when to make that decision to zoom in. Yeah, okay. Or to get close. Mm-hmm. Like if there's someone that's saying something, you don't know how they're going to end that sentence, right? Mm. It could be something that's really important that they say. Mm-hmm. And you're like, do I zoom in on this? Mm-hmm. Like, or am I going to cut them off if I zoom in? Yeah. Or when do I get close? Like close enough of in a situation that I'm done filming this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you're filming, you know, a 20 minute meeting, how much of that meaning is important and needs to be involved in the story. And how much do you need that? That's like B roll. And how much do you need to like, you know, zoom in and get those close ups? It's that was always my, the thing that I struggle with. I still struggle with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know when to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's, it's, and that's one of those things that like, it feels like it's kind of just, you start to learn just by doing it and by practicing. And then also kind of, I think it also would help in a situation if you the more footage you gain you get with a specific character in your film the more you start to learn about them right like people have cues on like vocal cues mm-hmm. or physical cues when they might be moving or pitching into a different like like closer to the end or to more of like a climax of their story and so like I feel like if you have five hours of interviews with someone you are much more likely to be able to go okay i know now is the time when i should maybe zoom in or i should kind of do something else compared to someone where it's like i have like 10 minutes and i don't really know them as well i feel like that would make things easier um, Uh, yeah i agree with that yeah and then one thing like and so you go out and you capture, like, just try and record, like, everything, and then you have all these things going through your head about, okay, is now when I should zoom in? Is, like, that the right time to do this? What do you do in that situation, in a situation where you get to 
the point where you're reviewing your footage and editing. What do you do when you have something that is so great, but it has some technical flaw in it, right? Like it's out of focus mm-hmm. or it's overexposed or the, you know, the audio levels are too low. Is there anything you can do or what would you do in that situation? Um, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. I mean, there are things that you can do. Mm-hmm. To help, you know, if it's overexposed or it's underexposed, rather be underexposed. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it's, you know, you can kind of play with exposure a little bit. Yeah. You know, you can you can hopefully fix it. Mm-hmm. Audio. I actually in my film, I had a major audio issue. Oh really? Yeah, I had a big audio issue that was for one of my characters, mm-hmm. um, and she was you know living in a New York City apartment, and there were a lot of noises in a New York Mm -hmm. City apartment. But there's also a lot of electricity. Mm -hmm. And there was this buzzing that we couldn't stop, you know? And it was very annoying. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, you're there. We can't move. Like, we're not going to go outside to this interview because it's even more noisy. So we just got to do it, right? Like, you just got to get it done. And you're under the pressure. You know, you're taking up these people's time. Mm -hmm. You're a stranger. You're going into their house. You're asking to film them. It's weird, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to just, like, suck it up and do it. Mm -hmm. And be like, all right, we're going to fix that shit in post. Yeah, (laughs) hopefully. (laughs) You know, hopefully. But, you know, they're, they're definitely, you know, you can fix kind of exposure stuff. You can fix some audio things. Luckily, I was able to fix some stuff with my audio. Um, but you kind of, like, out-of-focus stuff, like, you're you're out of luck. Like, there's really nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, stuff that's, like, really important mm-hmm. and out-of-focus, like, if it's very, very important, then you include it because mm-hmm. it's there, you have it. It doesn't look great, but it's something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can, you, you can fix little things. Little like kind of deviations, even kind of like big deviations in exposure, you could probably fix that, or you could hire someone to fix it for you, because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they probably know what's up. Yeah, um, and audio stuff too. Like, I mean, they have freaking audio professionals. That's their job is to fix audio. Yeah, yeah. and to mix it correctly and do all that stuff. So you you could definitely do it, but you mm-hmm. know, you want it to be as perfect as possible. Yeah, <laughs> obviously yeah. when you're filming, but it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, are you? Would you consider yourself more of an extroverted or introverted person? Um, I'm a bit of a both. I'm an ambivert. You're an ambivert. Uh, would you? I think so. Are you? Are you outgoing or shy? It really depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I'm probably a little bit more on the side of like, hey, I'll talk to you. Mm-hmm. But in very, in very, in some situations i will definitely not want to say anything to you now with that (laughs) how did you find it difficult to especially like your first time what was it like your was it difficult and what was it like the like first time that you had to go out and like interview a stranger interviewing was always fine for me Mm -hmm. i'm cool with interviewing people Mm -hmm. um but it's the initial phone call (laughs) asking for the interview that's very difficult yeah um and you want to have like a pitch down yeah for when you do this yeah uh i would say you know i actually don't mind doing it anymore Mm -hmm. because i think 
you get used to it <laughs> after mm-hmm. a while, and you get used to people telling you no, yeah, and to like go away, and you know you're chasing down leads and stuff and trying to like finagle people and convince them to do this crap for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, so like after a while, it doesn't. It's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Interviewing though, like if we have it set up and we're good to go, yeah, I'm cool with it. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah. Um, but you know, asking random people on the street, no setup. Mm-hmm. I still have a lot of trouble with that. Yeah, That's especially right. in New York, because nobody wants to talk to you. Yeah, I could have. They all think they all think you're selling something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Or you're trying to preach to them or something. Yeah. So it's a lot. It's very. It's hard. Yeah. Um. So I I hate doing man on the street stuff. Yeah. Uh. But uh. Yeah. When I'm in the interview setting, I'm cool. Yeah. Because we have this rapport. We know what's going on, mm-hmm. and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, setting it up is really annoying. I'd rather email them about it. Yeah, I know. I can imagine. That reminds me of like one small anecdote about um, uh, lawyers and accountants and a lot of uh, like professional service providers that have to, you know, uh, bill like for their further services. And it's one of the hardest things. And it is, it's hard for everyone, I think, for most of the time. But the sooner you get used to it, the better is talking about money and fees and what your fee and your bill is going to be. Because, yeah. like, no one ever wants to talk about money. Like, it's awkward and it's awful. But the sooner that you start to, like, just force yourself to do it, the more you start to get comfortable and the better it goes. Because as awkward as it is to say, I'm going to cost you this much money, the client wants to know right the client like it's awkward for you but for them like they need to know because they want to go how much am i going to be in to pay you for or if the services are already done how much do i owe you because i don't want to have to keep worrying about this and i've seen um especially this happened a lot when i was an accountant where the other accountants i worked with especially me when i first started out didn't ever want to talk about money right like if someone asked we would like try and hedge as much as we could and then get the services done and then hopefully just send them an invoice and never have to worry about it again but like that always created so many more problems where if it was just like up front like this is how much going to cost to get your tax return done and then go and be but then also be like it could change if when you give me like your stuff and i realize it's different it's like it's going to take a lot more work then i will let you know but i believe it's going to cost this that is such a better conversation than doing all the work and then you send them a bill for twice as much as what they were planning to spend and now they're not happy with you and it's just it's one of those things where it's like it's such an awkward thing to do but the more you do it the more you at least get comfortable with it and it's not like this terrible awful like pulling teeth thing that it was before yeah yeah it's the same thing with interviewing people yeah same um, thing for you, like going to court and stuff. It's like yeah, you, know, you no, just exactly. get used to it after a while. Yeah, you just yeah. The it's one of those things where it's like I think we have general general fears and anxieties about stuff, and it's like especially with like social interaction with other people, and it's one of those things that the only way to get over is just have to do it more. And yeah, then you you kind of move past it. So uh, one last thing on this topic is you spent a good portion of time doing your doc. Looking back. How was the experience for you? Did you really enjoy it? Was did it show you that you do or don't want to do certain types of work? How was it overall if you were to kind of sum up like creating a film and a documentary? Uh I think that you I I'll never be happy with it. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever be happy with my doc because it's still never over for me. Yeah. <laughs> like there's still it's still happening. Mm-hmm. 
in my mind, you mm -hmm. know? So it, to me, it's still incomplete. Yeah. And to, to people who watch it, you know, hopefully you get to see like a, a consistent storyline that works, right? Mm -hmm. But but for me, I only pinpoint the bad crap about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's hard for me. Yeah. The whole experience itself was really hard, um, but I was expected to be hard. Yeah. Um, there was a lot, a lot of last minute things that happened, especially for my doc. Mm -hmm. So it was stressful at times. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely rewarding at the end, mm -hmm. you know, because you show it and people finally see it. And then, you know, you get their opinions about it. And I think the best part is that, you know, the people who were in your film get to see it. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, God bless those people, man. Holy crap. I would never let <laughs> some stranger come to my house, film me mm -hmm. without any kind of idea about what they're making yeah you know yeah no exactly that's terrifying yeah and you're trusting this person to tell this story you know mm -hmm. about the x thing that you're passionate about or whatever it is mm -hmm. and you know it, it's really you put a lot of trust in that person without yeah. knowing them yeah. so i give people a lot of props and that's the that was the one thing I was so nervous about mm -hmm. showing my doc was that the people that were in it were gonna like it. <laughs> yeah, because holy crap, man, that'd be really bad if yeah. they didn't like it. Yeah, you know. No, so luckily they liked it, so it was well, fine. But but yeah, that's it, it was it was stressful, but I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. It was a good time. Nice, that's awesome. Very good. I love to hear it. So. Um, all right, real quick, let's move on to a real quick food finish, and then we can wrap it up yeah. for today. Uh, we've talked about it briefly. I've, I've We've at least mentioned it. I'm curious, what do you put on your hot dogs? I go I go both ways. Okay. I this go... He's MD hot dog also. MD condiment? MD oh, condiment? Am, whatever it is. Yeah. Amb ambicondiment. Ambicondimental. Ambicondimental. I don't like that. That sounds weird. That I I like mustard sometimes. I like ketchup sometimes. So I'll do either one or the other. Never not both though. Oh, really? Interesting. I've done both at the same time, but I yeah. do like you know ketchup and I like mustard on a hot dog. Interesting. And have you ever had a Chicago style dog? No, no, okay. never. All right, but so I don't get the whole poppy seed bun thing. I don't get the pickles. I don't get. I don't get that. Sport peppers. All the the, the neon green relish. Come on, so good. Anyways. <laughs> when you when whenever you come to Chicago, we'll we'll take care of it. I'll have I want one. I want to try it. I also maybe might have promised that we're going to do a twenty four hour stream if you ever visit Chicago. I might have happened yesterday. I don't Wait, know. Wait, what? You um, promised? Anyways, that? what? But uh, I just, <laughs> things happen. What? <laughs> things happen in the moment. So what do you you stream one time finally, and you <laughs> promise that we're going to do a twenty four hour stream together? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said. I said. I believe what I the exact words were. I'll do a twenty four hour stream when Skinky is sitting right here next to me doing it, and then your talent agent, Irish Titan Bear, said I will make that happen. And so I, I think that's what's gonna happen. Um, oh, I'm never coming to visit you. I talk to your talent agent. You just agent. sealed it. You just, <laughs> just sealed, sealed it. it. Just sealed it. Just sealed the. It's over. It can't happen now. Oh man. Um. What's interesting to me, so I usually I usually go one of two ways, and in Chicago, this is a terrible thing to say, and people hate you for it, but I either go, I go one of three ways. I go Chicago-style dog, I go chili cheese dog, or I go both ketchup and mustard. I rarely go wow. just one or the other. 
That's so interesting. Yeah, I don't know why. I just it's I don't I don't know. I don't like just mustard. And I don't I don't like just ketchup. I have to have them both. Or like if I have mustard, like in a Chicago style dog, it's got to have all the other accoutrements with it. So weird. I know. I know. It's 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 crazy stuff. I always wonder where that forms along my development. Was that like when I was in the womb, I was just genetically predisposed to like want hot dogs a certain way, or is it like I learned that as I grew up? Um, I think both. Probably it was nature and nurture. A little bit on a little bit. I think side. I think when you're in the womb, that's when it is decided what you like to put on a hot dog. Yeah. And then with wait, where's the nurture come from? How many hot dogs you have in a year? Ah, you guys, that's been another episode of Semantics. New episodes go live bright and early Monday morning. Just have your workday, school day, chores, commute, whatever you do. We are there to hang out with you. You can find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts, including the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, and our website at shenantics.rocks. Also, did I say Spotify? You can also hear us on Spotify. Uh, if you like the podcast, make sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I don't know if that does anything, but hey, I doubt that it really hurts. Uh, and if you have any comments or questions, send us a tweet at twitter.com slash pod or email shenanticspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the community and the discussion, we have a Discord. Go to shenantics.rocks slash about or uh, discord.shenantics.rocks and there will be an invite link to send you over to the Discord server. Skanky, where can they find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash skanky, S-K-X-N-K-Y, and on Twitter at iSkanky, I-S-K-N-K-Y, and I'm Cole, where can they find you? They can find me on the internet at mcole underscore M-C-U-L with the underscore symbol, same username on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. So good talking to you this week. Lovely talking with you too. I will talk to you next time. Goodbye.